Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Monday morning here on Birds 365. I guess we should call it Misery Monday after last night's <laughs> or yesterday afternoon's. Uh, kind of disastrous results, at least defensively, for the Philadelphia Eagles as they get pummeled down at the link by the Kansas City Chiefs here to talk about it for the next two hours of your Mac and Mac Birds 365 guys, Jody McDonald, along with my partner, John McMullen. A little bit of a long day at the office yesterday, John? Uh, game days always are, Jody, but nobody cares about that. Nobody nobody cares about the trials and tribulations of a, of a sports writer, so I'll leave that aside. I think the trials and tribulations of the Philadelphia Eagles defense are the bigger story, but I got to tell you, I mean, I, I was expecting this. We talked about it all summer. Can you win a shootout? I don't think you're capable of winning a shootout at, at this stage of the game. We just had an NFL game without a punt. I didn't get to watch Aaron Seapost yesterday. That, <laughs> I mean, he was holding, so he was out there. But that's that's the most. I don't even know play. who the Kansas City punter is off the yeah. top of my Tom, head. Tommy Townsend, I believe. I okay. looked it up yesterday because he didn't, didn't he punt play either. With who? What wasn't he uh, beside Roger Daltrey Townsend? I... Yeah, <laughs> not that Townsend. Okay, but, different Townsend. Um, he didn't punt either, so you wouldn't have noticed him. Yeah, it was pretty amazing game the way it went up and down the field from both perspectives. So you want a moral victory. The Eagles offense played pretty well. They got back to a lot of those week one concepts, get the football out of the hands of Jalen Hurts quickly. Um, and it worked. And they played within that construct and and they played certainly well enough to win a typical game, typical game that didn't include Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill, uh, who were just unbelievable. Um, I can only, you know, I'm, I'm trying to figure out, you know, people ask me, what are the Eagles trying to do defensively? My only guess is you look at the drive chart and Kansas city drives weren't typical Kansas city drives. They were long drives. They were, there were three over 10. There was a 12 and 11 and 11. There was an eight and eight. So it seems to me they were trying to keep the big plays under control, which, until the very end in Tyreek Kill, they got gouged, obviously, but um, and hoping for the mistake. And, you know, you kind of flip the game that way. Never came. They didn't make a mistake. Yeah, and the week before they had had four turnovers. So, uh, and they no did mistake. turn it over once, but that yeah. wasn't enough. Not, not a big deal. Um, an overused phrase in football these days, just my personal edification is uh, get off the field. And a lot of guys use it. Broadcasters, players, we got to get off the field, got to get off the and And it does. It just bothered me. It rubs me the wrong way for whatever reason, because nobody said that 25, 30 years ago. But now everybody says it all the time. But we get it. We understand what it means, right? Yeah. Eagles couldn't get off the field yesterday. Nine of 10 on third down yeah. conversion. 
Yeah. You gotta be able to stop them on third down every once in a while. So you get off the field, you get some rest, you get your offense out there, you get the time of possession a little bit closer to 50-50. The Eagles defense was hideously bad in their ability to get off the field yesterday. Yeah, and I agree. And yeah, you not, might not like the phrasing, but it is true. I, you know, it's interesting. I was thinking about arena football. I don't know if you've ever seen an arena football game, Jody. But when they had that, it was a big deal. Like, if you had one stop, it could flip the whole game. Right. And I'm not saying the NFL has become that. But when you play great offenses who who are are, are performing at a high level, it has almost become that. It's about... Getting off the field, it's about one stop here, one key stop there, because it's impossible to stop these high-octane offenses. Now, look, I don't like it. A lot of people like it. Uh, we talk about the shift in the NFL. I, I mean, I think the de- I talk about it all the time. The defenses are up against it. Um, you know, that's one of the surprises about the, the illegal downfield stuff. There's so many penalties on these RPOs that the defense is screwed because, you know, these, these offensive linemen are already downfield blocking. They've made it a point of emphasis to call that the Eagles have been called. Yeah. They got, they got killed by a number of times because they're so hard RPO heavy. It's interesting. If this were last year or two years ago, they probably look great because they wouldn't be calling these penalties. So they've kind of gotten caught up in that sort of mix um, but man, it's hard. My my larger point is it's so hard for defenses in this league, especially against great offenses. Um, and every once in a while they give it, they throw a little cookie to the defense and they're calling some illegal downfield penalties. Um, and of course it's hurting the Eagles of, of probably more than any other team, because I think they're probably just, if they're not more RPO heavy than every other team, they're certainly close. I, I haven't had time, obviously, to watch all 32 teams. But I think the Ravens are the only one that are in their ballpark because they got Lamar Jackson. Yeah. The Eagles have Jalen Hurts. The Ravens have Lamar Jackson. They're the two RPO heaviest teams in the league. Yeah. So it's really affected them. And, you know, people are killing Andre Dillard. He's doing his job. And Nick Sirianni said that after the game. That's what he's supposed to do. But when the football doesn't, it's a timing play. When the football doesn't come out immediately on time, you get your hand caught in the cookie jar. And if they're calling it again, years ago, two years ago, they wouldn't have called it. We are where we are. All right. Uh, Taylor, two sides of the football as far as the Eagles are concerned yesterday for me. The offense, even though they didn't score enough points and they lost the game, and I'm not going to really put much stock in their last touchdown because the Chiefs were in major prevent defense, so we'll keep that in its proper context. But even with that said, the offense was pretty damn good yesterday. The defense was not. And we need to point out where the issues are. Number one, John McMullen, come on, you got to be admit you're guilty. You're not by yourself. There are a whole bunch of other guys in this town that are guilty too, members of the media. Jonathan Gannon is going to be a head coach someday. I, no, think I we still need... think he is. I'm not backing off that. You're not? No. Okay, we'll that. see about that because his defense looked pretty damn porous these last couple of weeks. Might be a bright guy, might be well-respected. If if you're going to be giving up a 40 spot on a week-in, week-out basis, you're not getting the big whistle anytime soon. 
the Eagle defense was just terrible. And they're getting gashed at the point of attack. When Patrick Mahomes goes off and throws five touchdowns, you're not really surprised because he's Patrick Mahomes. When Tyreek yeah. Hill does what he does yesterday, he's one of the best wide receivers in the league, which, by the way, I said this on my CBS show last night. There are some people who talk about Tyreek Hill as if all he is is like the Sean Jackson. Oh, or no. two speed who gets behind the defense and catches no. 75 yard touchdown. No, he's good in every aspect, every aspect of the wide receiver game. And he showed that to the Eagles yesterday. Uh, so if you can beat it by the passing game, okay, fine. They're the best in the league or one of the best. You can make the argument. They're the best 200 yards on the ground yesterday, 200 yards on the ground. How do you let the Kansas Chiefs, who would rather throw it than run it, they're coached by Andy Reid, so we know they'd rather throw it than run it. How do you get up 200 yards on the ground in the Kansas Chiefs? Yeah, I think it's ironic that of all teams, they give up 200 to the to Andy Reid, who doesn't even want to run the football. They just do it by mistake because the Eagles' run defense is so bad. So two things I have there. One, they were trying – uh, to for and by the way, I agree with this philosophy. You're trying, and that's why I brought up the the length of the drives. They were trying to limit the big plays. They were trying to stop, and they didn't. Tyreek Hill, and I agree with you 100 percent with Tyreek Hill. I've never seen a speed guy track the football like he does in the intermediate routes. Yep. Like you see, Randy Moss to Sean Jackson, they're great down the field. Those those tremendous historic speed guys this guy catches everything on every level it's amazing to watch um so that's what they were trying to do and they're saying you know what let's let Clyde Clyde Edwards Hilaire beat us let's let their running game beat us and they did (laughs) now from a personnel perspective you know the linebackers stink like, Jonathan Gannon's not going to say that. He's not going to throw them under the bus. I mean, they're, they're not good. This is a personnel issue. This is an off-season issue. You can kill Eric Wilson. You can kill Alex Singleton, T.J. Edwards. They tried Sean Bradley. Davion Taylor was in there for a couple plays. T.J. Edwards, obviously. Okay, pick two. Give me your two. Who's going to stop this bleeding? I mean... I, I So, one, it's a personnel issue. Then you lose Brandon Graham, and I said, you know, he might be the most underrated player in the history of the Philadelphia Eagles, and I say that with a straight face because people do not realize how good he is, especially in the running game, setting the edge, which affects so many other things. And you say, well, they're running it up the middle. Yeah, they're running it up the middle, but when you have a guy who can set an edge – you, you can you can do more things in the middle to make up for those issues. And I'm not saying if Brandon was out there, he's going to make up for those linebackers because he's not. But it was going to be – it would be a little bit better uh, than it has been. And then the second part is you got to be you, – you know, the best part of the Eagles' defense moving forward, and I was telling you this before the show started, Jody, is the schedule. You have Dallas on the schedule and Kansas City on the schedule. These are two of the top five offenses in the NFL. I've been saying it long before this arrived. Uh, if, if you have an offensive team that plays at a high level, it's impossible to play defense in this league. Number one, I mean, the old adage in baseball, right, is good pitching beats good hitting. 
it used to be good defense beats good offense in the NFL. No more. If you have a good offense and you're performing at a high level, you, you're going to win the game. You're going to win the game. It's as simple as that. Yeah, and a couple of guys I need to note, sorry to say, on Eagles defensive line, which you're right, the linebackers is terrible. That's the biggest issue that the Philadelphia Eagles have right now. But it doesn't give a free pass to some of the guys on that defensive line. Ryan Kerrigan played again, and you're there. So you see who's coming on and off the field. On TV, you're kind of a slave to where they keep the camera. I I, I didn't know for sure whether Ryan Kerrigan played. Not how many plays, <laughs> whether he played or not. Because yeah. I didn't catch his number on any plays during the game and had to wait till they put out the snap count after the game was over and done with to double check and make sure that he played. And he did about a third of the snaps in the game. Once again, I didn't know it. And I, hey, guilty as charged. I thought it was a really good signing, under the radar signing. Use whatever phrase to describe it you want. Uh, kind of a uh, steal from the Washington football team. I know the guy banged up his finger in preseason and it kept them out of uh, all of the preseason games and the like, but he's still drawing a check, right? He's getting paid. I know he's showing up and is getting dressed for the game, but he hasn't made a difference on any plays in four weeks. He hasn't done anything. What the hell, John? Yeah, and I'll give a shout out to our buddy Tony Khan's uh, analytics company, True Media. Ryan Kerrigan now, I believe, has had over 100 snaps with not one statistic on the season. Not a tackle, not a quarterback hit, nothing. Um, I think it's uh, a combination of things. I think we talked a little bit. But it was not a finger, number one. It was a thumb. So that's right. a serious injury. Well, that's, uh, is, well, is a finger a thumb? Well, I meant. Is a thumb a finger? I meant the thumb is more important. Like if you if you hurt your index finger and your defensive lineman, it shouldn't matter. But a thumb, because you need your thumb, as we know, as an opposable thumb versus a, you, you need your thumb to move your hand, your entire. So what I'm saying is it's more important than, say, the pinky or the index finger. That's all I meant by that. So that was it was a pretty serious injury. Ryan says he can't grab. So that affects you as as a defensive lineman. That's number one. Number two, I am going to rip Jonathan Gannon here. He's playing Ryan Kerrigan at five technique way too much. What the, I, I, What is that? What, what Five technique? This is guy's a three, four outside linebacker or a pure edge rusher. Maybe if you want to stick him inside in those A-gap looks and blitz him, all right. But five technique? If you would have told me, and I'm not going to sit here and say I know more about defensive football than Jonathan Cannon, but if you ask me, where am I not going to play Ryan Kerrigan? I'm going to say five technique first. I don't understand that. I will never understand that. So I think he's playing out of position. And then the third, you know, he was a legendary player for Washington. Nobody knows him better than Washington. Maybe he's got nothing left in the tank. You got right. to you got to enter that into the equation as well. Same here. That's uh, I have to acknowledge that, uh, as I said, I thought it was a really good signing. I thought it was a steal from the Washington football team. The guy may be done. And if that's the case, 
than the Eagles. And I know the the guys coming off the bench and the guys they could go to are nothing special. Again, back to Jeff Laurie, and this is a transition year. I know we're only one and three. It's still very early in the season. Kind of ticks me off that one and three doesn't even get you to the quarter pole. I always like to say after the fourth game, well, at least we've got a quarter of the season done. We don't since we now have 17 games. So you, again, have to keep it in the perspective of what a season is. Ryan Kerrigan's season may be over. Shoot, maybe his career's over. Because that number you gave that he's played four games and has not generated one stat yet, that he has not been involved in a meaningful way in any plays, over 100 plays that he's been on the field, is pretty damn telling. Only he and his doctors and the coaches know whether this thumb injury, very important thumb injury, is the reason why. But he's given them nothing. Even scarier, forget about Ryan Kerrigan, because, all right, fine, he, he can't play. We took a shot. We paid him some money. We gave him some snaps. He can't play. You move on. You find out who the next player is going to be there. Fletcher Cox is only a couple plays, one of them being a touchdown. I know, it was a big play. Uh, but uh, other than that, he's not that far ahead of Ryan Kerrigan on hitting the stat sheet. And please don't hit me with the Fletcher Cox's double teamed on every play. You know who's double teamed on every play? Javon Hargrave. And somehow he continues to get sacks, make tackles for loss, create havoc. He's getting double teamed now too because he's been that good and he continues to make big plays. Fletcher Cox, non-existent. And oh, by the way, if he is not the player that he once was, that has a much graver effect on the Eagles because not only has he signed for many years at many millions of dollars, the Eagles keep doing his contract, which is pushing his money into further years. We know the price they're paying for the dead cap money they got in Carson Wentz this year. Is Fletcher Cox going to be one of those guys within the next two years too, John? Um, I think you have to start talking about it for the first time. He's not playing well. He's certainly not playing um, up to what the standard has been for Fletcher Cox. Um, again, sometimes playing out of position, so maybe you have to point something at Jonathan Cannon as well. Um, you know, we start – I always get mocked from my boy Jim Swartz. Jim Swartz is starting to look better and better as we move forward. You know, one of the things – you, you, you know, and I just mentioned it with Ryan Kerrigan, and I'm going to say it with, with Fletcher Cox. If you're going to use these three, four looks and you're going to play Fletcher Cox at zero or one technique, I mean, that doesn't make any sense to me. That's not what he is. He's not a nose tackle. He's a three technique. He's been a dominant three technique in a, in, for a lot of years in this league to the point where other teams, other offenses game plan for him and say, Okay, where do we start with Philadelphia Eagles? For years, it was we got to block Fletcher and we got to block Brandon. That's where you start. Um, now it's you get. I think as teams start to watch this film, it's going to be you got to block Javon Hargrave. Uh, you know, again, we're back in the same murky category. Is he playing out of position too much? Um, is he unhappy with this defense after being in the in the Jim Swartz defense? Or is he just descending as a player? You know, too often, I, I can't tell you how many times, Jody, perfect example on the other side of the football. Is Josh Gordon going to play? Is Josh Gordon going to play? Is Josh Gordon going to play for the Kansas City Chiefs? 
I'm like, number one, who cares? Josh Gordon hasn't been Josh Gordon in years. There's this weird assumption by too many fans that everybody stays in a stasis. You were once a good player. You're always going to be a good player. doesn't happen like that in the mm-hmm. NFL. And usually you drop off a table pretty quickly. Hopefully we're not there with Fletcher Cox. For the first time, I think you got to put that in the mix, though, and say, you know, what the heck is going on? Because he's not making any plays either. And the one he did play that you brought up, that was really Javon Hargrave as well. The ball flipped out to him. The ball just happened to flip up in the air, and he was good enough to grab it and then get on the ground and swim. Uh, Fletcher, try and stay on your feet there, big guy. And your point about them playing three, four defenses, why would you do that if you're the Philadelphia Eagles? If you're playing a 3-4, that means you believe that your linebackers better. You're trying to get more linebackers on the field. How are the Eagles linebackers? They stink on ice. Why would you do that? Come on. It doesn't make any sense. Jonathan Gannon having issues here in uh, the last two weeks with the Eagles defense. All right, so we still got plenty to break down. Uh, I asked John to see if he could get our buddy Bob Groats on with us today. Because you'll remember, back at the beginning of the season, Bob Groats tried to hit us up with... You see how tough this Eagles schedule is, right? Atlanta, they're going to be an underdog, and then it gets hard thereafter. Well, even as an underdog, they did win week number one. But hard thereafter has kicked the Eagles hard in the you-know-whats as of right now at one and three. Uh, So Bob Groats, our buddy, is going to join us next right here on Birds 365. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view. It goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. Glasses for cocktails, right? It's for this, 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 and that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Okay, but is the rip... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero cars, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. 
At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Go for the midnight tears. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. A Monday live edition of Birds 365. McMullen and McDonald here with you. We are joined by our esteemed colleague from the Delco Times, been covering the Eagles for years, and gave us some pretty good insight, even though we kind of mocked them and knocked them for predicting a uh, pretty tough start for the Philadelphia Eagles. He's looking that much more right after four games. Bob Groats of the Delaware County Times, our guest here on Birds 365. You look... Good there, Bob. You look like a guy in a horror film. Are you trying to make a testament to the Philadelphia Eagles' first four games here? If you nah. are, you're succeeding. This is as good as it gets at uh, 8.30 in the morning, guys. And yeah. uh, and what a weird day it was. Um, my weird day started on the way into the parking lot, believe it or not. Somebody wanted to have their photograph taken of me in a selfie. They, nice. I don't I don't know who they mistook me for. Maybe John McMullen or something. Yeah, I told him I wasn't famous, but it was a strange day. Yeah, that I didn't hear that. You didn't no. tell me that the entire game that somebody tried to take a selfie with Bob Groats. That I don't prognosticator know. Prognosticator of all prognosticators. Yes, yeah. That's why. I don't know what was weirder, Jody. That or or whoever it was turning off the lights in the press box right after the game very very <laughs> right early. after we went up to write uh, there was more light in the bathroom to write <laughs> <laughs> yeah they were trying to get us out of there bob so yeah. where do we start with this game when you look at this game third down defense tyree kill patrick mahomes where do you start what went wrong for the philadelphia eagles other than you know it's a rookie head coach against andy reed yeah, it's a, I, it's it's a second year quarterback with a eighth start against Patrick Mahomes. Should we have expected anything else? No, that that's pretty much what you would expect. I mean, they scored with four seconds left, or they would have lost by what twenty? Uh, yeah, well, that, that's yeah, about forty-two thirty. So yeah, 40, yeah. 20. I mean, I think that's what you expect. Um, I I think it was good that they didn't. Well, that they stayed competitive at least, um, but. With that, with the Chiefs' defense, you're going to do that. And um, yeah. but I, you know what really impressed me when I when I took a look at that was uh, and I and I looked uh, just looked through the play by play, they used almost the same game plan that uh, the Chargers used the previous week, and uh, the short passes, mixing it up, yeah. and uh, and even mixing in runs in that. I mean, that was like a, a uh, that was a straight steal from the Chargers, and that was smart. And uh, it, I mean, that that's a I think the book is out there on uh, the Chiefs, what to do. They weren't as successful in the red zone, though. And uh, and that was a big deal. What was it, John? Three of the first four uh, trips into the red zone 
No yeah, and they got uh, ultimately they got three touchdowns taken off the board. Two of them in the red zone. One was the the OPI on JJ Ortega Whiteside. One was right. the illegal man downfield on Andre Dillard. So both were yeah. legit, according to you know Gene Steratore. I know said, "Hey, everybody was upset about the JJ penalty. They're going to call that. If yeah. They're not subtle on that. They're going to call it." I mean, it, it is what it is at this point. But Nick Sirianni always talks about eliminating uh, the mistakes that don't require talent, however he words that. No when talent. Are they do that? Yeah. yeah. When are they going to do that, Bob? Yeah. I mean, I think uh, Lane Johnson took a touchdown off the board in the first game for, uh, who was it? Uh, Kenneth Gainwell, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it's, uh, it's veterans and young people alike. So, um, yeah, I mean, you can't. I mean, that's nice to say, you know, if they had scored those three touchdowns, it would have been a different game. Well, obviously it would. But, uh, you know, the Chiefs blew it, too, uh, when they didn't challenge the fumble at the goal line right before. Yeah, the that, was that was out. That was out. Yeah, I mean, that we couldn't see it from our angle. And I'm sure that um, it, it was difficult and all the confusion for the Chiefs to get a good look. There weren't a lot of replays shown, but they should have at least called a timeout. But, you know, when you have Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback, you can you don't you can afford to it, save yeah. your timeouts, right? I mean, and I think that's it. When we talk about that game, I mean, Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill, wow. I mean, and, and you know, how many times in that uh, in the press box did we watch Tyreek Hill put a move on an Eagles defender or defenders? They were rolling a safety towards him and go, wow, that that guy, player. he's uncoverable. Yeah. He's uncoverable. So, uh, so I think. All in all, they they did what I expected. I I think I had them losing by twenty points. So, but uh, you know, and that's you know they they the crowd. I, I think they only booed once that whole game, Jody. Which was uh, I thought it was going to be a boo fest. Um, and uh, but I, you know the the Eagles are they that I I still don't think they're that good. They have some pieces, but but not enough. And uh, and I think it's going to be tough this week too when they no, go sir. into Carolina. Yeah, uh, we'll get to Carolina in a second. Yeah. We got a lot of dissecting yet of this game to go. Um, I, I heard this. I thought I heard it through the speakers on my TV yesterday. Tell me you mentioned no booing. I thought I heard at times chance of run the ball, run the ball, because <laughs> the Eagles didn't run it again much yesterday, certainly more so than the previous game, but not much. Again, <laughs> I didn't think the offense was the problem. I thought the offense, all right, they came up a little small in the red zone a couple times. As both you guys noted, if they didn't get penalized in the red zone, maybe they'd scored touchdowns instead of got getting field goals. Uh, that's something that needs to be worked on, and Siri, Sirianni acknowledged that. To me, this was about the defense. You talk about them copying what San Diego did. It worked. Good for them. San Diego got four turnovers last week. The Eagles got one. San Diego didn't give up near as many points, didn't give up 200 yards rushing like the Eagle defense had. This is about the defense, not about the offense, Bob Groats. Yeah, they, they don't have many players there, Jody. I mean, their talent is definitely on the offensive side of the ball. They got they have Javon Hargrave up, up front, and he's good. Well, I don't know what – I know Fletcher Cox, I don't know if he's hurt or what, but he sure didn't make a big impact on that game. Uh, Derek Barnett was – Seemed like a step behind, and uh, they missed Brandon Graham and the linebackers. Wow! I mean, they there's uh, and I'm not I'm not ripping those guys, but they're not the guys. Rip they're not the linebackers. They deserve to be ripped. 
but they're not the guys that you want in this defense if they're going to yeah. run it like this. And um, I, I they, they're still not – they're just not that good. And, um, and Jalen Hurts, you can look at those numbers and think they were really good. But, uh, you know, that red zone stuff, even with the penalties, um, you know, if he gets over the hump there, then, then he'll convince me that he's the one. But uh, I still don't – I still have my doubts. Um, I think he played well. But, um, you know, I, I still don't know if he's the guy. I, I don't know how you guys feel about that, but I still don't know if he's the guy. And you could say after 387, well, look at that defense. I mean, the Chiefs were giving up 32 points a game. Yeah. The Eagles got 30. And, uh, and, and 32 points a game, that's, that's the worst scoring defense in the league. The Eagles got 30, okay? And, um, and they, they got more, the, the Chiefs, you know, 40 points, that was, what, 10 more than what they were averaging. But uh, so if you look at it in those terms, it's, uh, you know, that was to be expected what happened out there. And, oh, by the way, Big Red, who was criticized and castigated weekly <laughs> for not running the ball, gets 200, 200. yards on the ground. Oh, <laughs> that was too amazing. much. That, Joey, that I asked amazing. him that in the, in the uh, post-game press conference. I went over to Big Red, who was really gracious to uh, the Philly writers, you know, Saying you got, but you know, he said you guys are tough. You know, you, you got to be nicer to Nick or whatever. But uh, I asked him about that. I said, 200 yards rushing. What's up with that?" And he started laughing and he said, "I I saved that for you guys." You know. <laughs> but but uh, it it was the way that he did it too. Um, with Tyreek Hill, Andy Reid's still a masterful schemer and uh, play caller. He yeah. he would put he put he motioned Tyreek Hill, and that would draw two people you know, to whatever side he, he motioned him to. And, uh, and that would open up the run. There, that's two less tacklers right there. And, uh, and, and with Kelsey, I, I watched the re- when I was watching the replay on that touchdown to uh, the guy, the tight end with Fortson or whatever. Yeah, Fortson. Well, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> okay. Uh, Kelsey, uh, Travis Kelsey was waving his arms and uh, like he wanted the ball, <clears throat> like the Eagles were in the wrong defense. Yeah. He drew all the. He drew a lot of attention to him, and and uh, it was a shovel pass to the tight end who walked in, you know, without getting touched in the middle. I mean, it's amazing. Just, Andy is amazing is. with those shovel passes. But yeah, everybody I mean, knows they're coming, but nobody and nobody bad. can can copy it. Nobody's been able to to replicate it on a consistent basis. You know, it's coming, and like you said, you probably think it's coming to Kelsey, and all of a sudden. Who the heck is Fortson? I got to look at this. And right, it, right. He just walks into the end zone. It usually does go to Kelsey, too. He, yeah. He's like the master of those. But, you know, they so they play really smart. And I, you know, 40, uh, 42 points. I don't, Jody, I don't think that the, the Chiefs played really, I don't think they played good. They played okay, good enough to win, but they could have played a lot better, too. So, um, so where does that leave the Eagles? Well, they're they're still they're trying to build that culture and um, and Hertz, what did he, he spoke to the team afterwards and he told them they were close, real close. Um, you know, I, I applaud him for that. You know, he's he's really working hard to try to to get this team over the hump. I just don't think it's going to happen. All right, Bob. Let's. Uh, Andy told us to be a little bit easy on Nick, but let's not do that because I want to talk about. The first drive of the game, fourth and three, I think he makes the right decision 
you got to understand the opponent. Field goals aren't going to do anything for you. Right. No, that's team. for sure. Yeah. You got to understand the opponent. He was going to go for it, but he gets in the play too late. All of a sudden, there's this mix up. Did they call delay a game? Did they not call delay a game? They come out of it and kick the field goal. Who cares? Jake Elliott makes it. I think it was a 29 yarder. He's got this. You're going to go for it. Go with your gut. Understand the opponent. Why do you think he changed his mind at the last minute? Well, he, he got that ironed out. He was more decisive as the game went on. Um, I don't know. I, at first, I thought that Hertz was just trying to, to uh, draw the Chiefs offside. But I, I think he, he got into a flow. And, uh, and, and he, he started to realize, you know, what, you know that what we all know. What I say, what we all know. Like, he doesn't know it. I think it's different when you're calling the plays. So, but um, I, in terms of Nick and, uh, you know, and, and that type of stuff, his play calling, I didn't think he was that bad. I, I still think it's, it's personnel. It's who you have. And, um, and they're going to have to coach the young guys a little bit better. I mean, that, that's two guys who have had uh, big gains taken away, touchdown. Um, yeah, Devontae same Smith mistake, yeah. is, is simply stepping out of bounds, you know, I, he did it. He stepped out of bounds at least once. I mean, I don't, I don't know, you know, the attention to detail on that. They, they got to work on that some more. But uh, what John was talking about, those no talent penalties, I, I think that happens. That that's a little bit of that's coaching, but but some of that is is your your personnel and and it's really young. The skills guys are really young, and uh, Jalen Hurts is trying to rally them, but um, you know he. So he, he, he does his best to rally them, I and mean, they still lose by two touchdowns in a league where every game is defi- decided by seven points or less. I mean, so that's where they are. I mean, that's where this program is. Bob, I keep coming back to the defense. Uh, the offense is more interesting to try and pick apart and analyze. I get that. But they lost that game yesterday just because of the defense. I know a good Kansas City is on offense. So they weren't going to hold them to 17 or 18 points. A 40 spot's a 40 spot anyway you slice it. Individuals, back to defensive individual. Rodney McLeod returning to the defense yesterday. he do anything to make you believe that he was missed and when they got him back yesterday was going to upgrade the defense? Because he hit it pretty well for me. I didn't see Rodney make too many plays either. I thought he could be a key re-addition for not only his play – but leadership as well, and they could use that with Brandon Graham out of the lineup. Rodney McLeod, one of the captains, didn't do anything for me yesterday, Bob. How about you? Yeah, well, I think coming off that knee as first action of the season, and, and this is a tough team to to play against. Um, I think early on he, he did some things, but after that I, I think he kind of wore down. And, and uh, the Eagles are just, um, you know, on defense – they, I'm not even sure what the game plan was there, except they wanted to try to, to get a couple guys on, on Tyreek Hill, and, uh, and they wanted to try to jam Kelsey. I think they did a good job of, of jamming Kelsey and, and limiting him a little bit. But, I mean, with, with Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback, you're going to have to – let's go back to the Super Bowl where um, the, the Bucs beat the, beat the Chiefs. You're just going to have to pound him on every play. And he was – he had a – what, a, a – a toe issue in that Super Bowl, Mahomes did. So he wasn't a hundred percent. You're just going to have to pound him every play to to get something going. And and as much as uh, we like what Hargrave has done so far, um, and we like Josh Sweat, what he's done, Sweaty, 
that's not enough. You, you're going to need, you need more guys. And um, the, I keep going back to that. That's the story of the whole defense for me, Jody. They, they need, uh, they need some more players. They, they, uh, they only have a few. And, um, and in the, the back end of that defense, um, you got to, it, it is, you get what you pay for it pretty much. And uh, they got a, a few guys on one year deals and uh, veterans and they're doing their best, but uh you can run any scheme and um, and and they're going to they're going to struggle against that. All right. One player on the back end who is playing well, Bob, and this is going to upset people uh, because he's chirping on social media. Um, Darius Slay. He had a good game. Uh, for, he, he had a really good game. And I think people don't recognize it. There was this one little section where they had Slay traveling with Tyreek Hill. Right. Andy Reid was smart enough not to throw him the football at that time. And for whatever reason, they go back to their zone concept, and here come the big plays again. Um, but Slight was out there on social media saying, I think he's had two receivers in his entire career get 100 yards on him. He wasn't responsible. That doesn't come across well. Um where are you with Darius Slay? What I mean, does he have to tone it down? Is it nice to have somebody with that kind of swagger? I thought he played well yesterday. I really yeah. did. It's he, hard to say of, 42 points by touchdowns, Tyree Kill. It wasn't on Darius Slay. It wasn't. Yeah, he's kind of an outlier. I mean, I, you know, I, I don't know how you, you know, I, his teammates know that he's a jokester. You know, yeah. he, he likes to have fun, but, um, you know, that kind of stuff, I, I don't see how that does any good. <laughs> you know, it's not, you know, he didn't get that on me. Yeah, I'm, like, I'm like, that's stuff that we would share with ourselves, yeah, you know, I know, behind when the boss isn't looking. So, yeah, I don't know. But I, I, I'll i say this. It, it's pretty clear that he's really frustrated about about losing and uh, three in a row. I mean, this is like um, this is like Detroit Lions stuff again. What did he say he wanted that? You know, chug down a, a bond or a orange, juice. Of orange juice, yeah to, yeah, to get rid of the taste of this. Yeah. Um, and he got uh, me in I, trouble I, on six ABC because I said shit on because he said shit so many times. I, I yeah. blurted out shit. I think he said it six times. Well, you get a flyer from me because we know that you know that the the you know what that's the you know what or you know yeah this is the you know what yeah hey I you know that that's kind of a figure of speech but. uh yeah, but he, he's going to have to deal with that. You know that frustration. That that's a, those are bad optics right there. You know, for a, a yeah. team that's struggling. If you want to be a leader, maybe that's why he's not one of the captains too. I don't know. They, they maybe they think maybe he needs to to be a little bit more serious about you know his work. But he was real. He was good yesterday. Um, he uh, and a couple of times I saw Tyreek Hill actually you know tap him on the helmet. You know, an obvious sign of uh, respect. So. But uh, you know the, he's you know outlier with his personality and and he's he's kind of the the guy in the in the back end of that defense and uh, in the you get what you pay for category he's the one making the money so it, uh, they may have made the right decision on him um, but you know when I talk about money too guys I, I know I this probably wasn't part of your thinking today but after I watched that offensive line um, f- four guys that that starters that didn't begin the season i'm starting to think maybe they ought to start shedding some salaries there you know like 
And um, they played pretty well. They weren't the issue. Yeah, I mean, he shed some salaries and uh, and bulk up, you know, reinforce that defense. And uh, and if you're not convinced that Hurts is the quarterback, we'll have some more games to to uh, look at that. Go that go in that direction. They're going to have some draft capital. Though they should have some money. So and and some of those those offensive linemen, they're making some big bucks. So um, yeah, they they got some decisions to make. And uh, and while you're at it. You know, if they, if you're going to turn this into an overhaul, there's some guys on the, on the defense too. Well, there's a there's a defensive tackle that um, you might want to ask. You know, where he wants to play because if you look at the if you look at the yeah. game sheets this year, uh, it, it's pretty clear that that 91 doesn't want to play right now for the Eagles. If this was a transitional year. You start talking about making the moves that you're talking about. Oh my God, what are we going to call next year's I think it team will be. if they decide to do yeah. that? Yeah, I think yeah. it will be in a little bit. I mean, <laughs> are we are, are we overreacting? Last one for me, Bob. Are we overreacting? Because this is an outlier. You're not going to play Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill every week. On the other end, you're not going to play against Steve Spagnuolo's defense. You know how I feel about oh, yeah. that. Every yeah, week. it's a so yeah, and, and look at the maybe, defense. Maybe we should flush this one. As yeah, maybe we should flush this one. Are oh, you going to get you... me into trouble again? Yeah, right. <laughs> flush what it do you like think of well. that? Should we flush this one? Does it mean as much as we think it means? Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it is. This is who who they are right now. You know, they they can play. I mean, if you look at the numbers, you could say, yeah, they played well on offense. They didn't play well on defense. But if you look at the entire program they were 13 points like i was saying 13 points worse than you know what is it a 500 team if you are what your what your record is and those numbers they were 13 points less than than that team and and you know it could be could have been 20 if it hadn't been for that you know the eagles scoring with four seconds left the game was over so uh, that that's that's who the eagles are and and you know talking about you know in a are they going to have a shot next week at Carolina? That's going to be a tough game. And um, especially coming off a loss like this. And then they get Tampa. And even though the game's here, that's going to be tough. But um, I I still don't think they, they they just don't have the guys. And, um, and I think when we look back at this season, you know, that we'll look at it as, you know, that, well, Nick tried to establish his culture and um, they wanted to see who wanted to play for him. And um, and guess what? You're you're in for some big changes at the end of the year with the veterans. Nick, last one for me. And uh, Bob, I mean, uh, going to give you credit. I was thinking about Nick Sirianni. Um, yeah. You came on before the season started and said to us before the Atlanta game, if they don't win this one, this could be a pretty damn bad start to the season. And you clicked off San Francisco and Dallas and Kansas City. They've been underdog in all four games. Next week against Carolina, I'm guaranteeing you they're an underdog. The yeah. week after that against Tampa, I even know it's yet guarantee they're an underdog. In Vegas, well, the Raiders are three and zero. They could be one of only two four and zero teams after Monday Night Football tonight. On the road, they're going to be an underdog against Vegas, which means the first seven weeks are going to be underdogs. At Detroit on a Sunday, October thirty first, Halloween. Will the Eagles be an underdog again? Are they going to go the entire first half of the season, or at least the first eight games, as an underdog every single game? 
Yeah, that, that could happen. I mean, look what happened yesterday. Um, Kansas City, what were they? They, were, they had been an underdog. I mean, they had been like one, one in their 11 in their last 12 against the spread. Yeah. You know, they, they hadn't covered. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that, that was, but, you know, I think, I think uh, you'd be safe. Yeah, they, they could be the underdog against Detroit. I mean, and it's going to depend on what personnel is, is still healthy. But, uh, but whatever it is, you just, you just have to kind of roll with the other team right now if you want to, you know, if you, and expect them to cover. Because, right, assume, um, assume you're right. And I know this is we're really stretching it here because we're talking about something that we got five more weeks of results to get in before we get there. At home against the Chargers. Week nine, underdog or favorite? That doesn't look good. I'd say underdog. Oh, I'd okay. say underdog. Next week Not at close. Denver against the Broncos in the mile high. Uh, I, underdog. 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 They, they yeah. never play well there for, for whatever yeah. reason. The, the, the air, the thin air, whatever. Underdog. Sunday, November 21st, back here at the link. New Orleans Saints coming to town. Eagles a favorite or underdog? Underdog. Yeah. Sean Payton always beats him. Week 12 <laughs> at the New York Giants. Giants got their first win yesterday. Favorite. They're on the road. Favorite. Giants are terrible by that point. You favorite. think they're going to be a favorite in that game? I think nah, there's a that, chance. That could, that could be Probably even. Probably not, though. That could be but even, but maybe. I'd take the Giants. Yeah. And the week after that against the Jets. How about my Jets getting a win definitely, yesterday? Definitely favorite against the Jets. Wow. Ooh, be careful wow. with that. Jets, Jets could be two and three by the end of next week. Watch out. They're, they're on true. the come. Uh, hey, Bob well. Groats, thank you very much right, for coming on with us. You are always entertaining, and uh, I, I I am proud of you that you stopped and did the selfie with the Eagle fans. Yeah. You're going to get that yeah. much more of it going forward because you are the voice of doom. Pro football report, too. Talk yeah. Merrill off the ledge, Bob. Talk, I'm, you know, I'm not Merrill's famous. Upset. Right. I'm not famous. I'm infamous. Yeah. You, you look infamous today. Thank you for right, being infamous guys. with us. That is Bob Groats of the Delco Times here with us on Birds 365. We kid because we care, right? Tampa, <laughs> uh, Carolina, Tampa, Vegas, at Detroit, home Chargers, at Denver, home New Orleans, at the Giants, at the Jets. Now, those are two road games. I think they're as good a team as either yeah, of those I, I, I think Detroit, there's a chance, depending on how things go, that they will be favorite. Obviously, if Detroit continues to lose. Um, the Giants, probably not. That'll be a home and home. They'll be favorite when, you know, when the Giants come here. Right. Uh, the Jets, I think there's a chance, uh, depending, you know, if they turn, if Zach Wilson starts playing well. So a lot of time, maybe, but there's a chance they'll be favored in that game. A chance. They're 0 for 4 so far in favoritism this year. 1 and 3 record wise. And yesterday's was pretty ugly because the point that Bob made is true. Uh, and I hesitated. One of my pro picks for the week, I make three every single week. A three or four uh, was I gave the seven points with the Chiefs. I thought they were going to put 40 points up, and they did even though it was in the face of the Chiefs never cover big numbers. They just don't. They haven't yeah. the last year and change. Oh, they did yesterday against the Eagles, and the final score was a little deceptive because, yes, the Eagles scored with three seconds or four seconds left to go when they get that last yeah. touchdown. Four seconds left, I believe. 
they have a word to describe. They have a phrase to describe. Garbage time. We got a lot of garbage time stats being, you know, people talking about Jalen Hurts. Well, his yeah. stats. I mean, yeah, that's a lot of garbage time stats over the past two weeks. Did compile some stats late in games. The phrase I like to use is, oh, by the way. They didn't really impact the outcome of the game. Oh, by the way, put up a bunch of numbers and some points, too. We'll come back and talk more about that. John McMullen, Jody McDonald, we are Birds 365. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view. It goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. Glasses for cocktails, right? It's for this... This, this, and that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Okay, but is the rim... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero cars, zero sugar... And deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder. And it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messa & Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Misery Monday here on Bird 365. I'm Tail end of a beatdown by the Kansas Chiefs at the link yesterday. We're recapping. Uh, we thank Bob Groats for doing just that with us. Uh, we'll continue to do so here 
and I do want to put an optimistic spin on things. One day last week, weren't you in the major optimistic mode, John? You were trying to be I was optimistic. trying to figure out a way. I couldn't, but I was trying. Uh, I was I, trying to give the people some hope. Joe Krause always wants to go into a game optimistic, so I was trying to look for optimism. But it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. I, You know, I looked at Steve Spagnuolo's defense, and that turned out to be true. You know, that guy, because he's from Philadelphia – and he's won. It's weird. You know, he, he's had already coming into this season two of the worst five defenses in NFL history with two different organizations, New Orleans um, and the New York Giants. And now he's on pace to have another one. Uh, Andy Reid better get that side because Kansas City's a legitimate Super Bowl contender. But if that defense can't at least do some things, they're not going to win the Super Bowl. Mm, I'm not as down on him as you are, but uh, their defense is not good this year, and it's a major issue uh, for them trying to get back to a Super Bowl. But before we go there, I do want to throw out a quasi-optimistic point, John. I'm trying to do the same thing you did last week, reaching for an optimistic point of view, and it ain't easy. Um, from the Misery loves company file. There are eight new head coaches in the NFL this year. Eight teams turned over their coaching staffs this past offseason. They are Dan Campbell, Urban Meyer, Robert Sala, Arthur Smith, David Culley, Brandon Staley, and Nick Sirianni. I did the math. It's not good. They are, they are a combined Six and twenty-one with Brandon Staley. Brandon Staley carrying that lot. <laughs> he has yeah. two of those six wins in eight coaches. Eight. You got a couple offers there in Dan Campbell and Urban Meyer. There's only two 0-4 teams in the league right now, and they are both coached by first-year coaches. So if you want to crush Nick Sirianni today, and oh by the way, he's in charge of the entire team. I know defense is in his ballywick, and that's kind of under Gannon's purview, but he's the coach of the whole team, so it's got to at least fall under his auspices some. He's not the only struggling new first-year head coach in the NFL. They all are, if yeah. you don't count Brandon Staley. Cause at you least know, it's weird. Him. Usually there's a situation in the league where – we always talk about shelf life. Every everybody has a shelf life in the NFL as a coach. Andy Reid in Philadelphia being a perfect example. Um, it's a very good coach, but it was just time. Usually, there's a situation where you have a new coach going in with a team that has pretty good personnel, and they just stop listening to the former coach and they turn it around and have that. Um, it hasn't happened this year with this group, so I don't know. What it is, if it's just a lack of personnel in certain cities, which are more obvious, obviously Jacksonville, Houston, I think would be the obvious ones there. But usually you have, you know, if you think about LaFleur coming into Green Bay, you think about even Matt Nagy's first year in Chicago, you had these big turnarounds. You don't have that with a rookie coach this year. 
And they're paying a little bit of a price for it. But again, uh, he is not alone in that uh, the, all the uh, first-year coaches in the National Football League are struggling. He did come under fire from some media types uh, after yesterday's game because of some decisions he meant made in uh, not going for it, down by the goal line, settling for field goals. John, you said first hour, rightfully so. Uh, you can't kick field goals against Kanji Chiefs because you're going to lose because they're going to get seven, so you can't coach that way. Do you think any of that was the fact that he was a little gun shy after last week's debacle down by the goal line? The not so Philly special inability to score first and goal from the one yard line that uh, he was a little worried. Hey, I got to get something. I came away with nothing and got absolutely crushed for that last week. Do you think that factored into his thinking? Well, I can't. I hope not. And that was, you know, that was here against San Francisco. That wasn't against Dallas. So he should be over that by now, I would hope. Um, a lot of the, you know, the play call that got called back on, on the JJ OPI, that's a good play call. That's a good rub route. That's going to work. That's a touchdown. The, the, the receivers just got to sell it a little bit better. Um so I don't know. It's usually about execution more than than the play calling, which I which I typically say. Um, and and there was some lack of execution. I do think there's this. Um, I don't know if you want to call it rabbit ears, but he did get a lot of uh, criticism about no motion in Dallas, and all of a sudden motion is back. He got a, a lot of criticism about running the football. They didn't run it a ton, but you could see early in the game there was uh, a bigger indication on that. You know, you also... Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Can't listen to critics. You gotta, you gotta be comfortable enough in your own skin to to do what you think is going to win the football game. So I'm kind of torn on that. But when I when I talk about that fourth and three, you made the right decision. And he's always talking about doubling down and slamming the podium. You got extra time to think about it. Look over the, the other side of the field. Look at Andy Reid. Look at Patrick Mahomes. Look at Tyreek Hill. Look at Travis Kelsey. How do you come up with a field goal? Go for it. That I That is the one thing I don't understand. And that was very early in the game. But it is what it is at this point. I want to give credit to a couple of guys on my stream and our stream. We, we love you guys. And uh, a bunch of guys are here every single day. They watch us. They're loyal uh, viewers. And we thank them for that. And they contribute here. And then we don't uh, bring them up much, but we should from time to time. So let me do that today from Gannon's groupies who sent in a bunch of uh, points of view today. Bring back Nate Gary. <laughs> I, 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 I hope he's saying that with tongue firmly implanted in cheek, but I know where he's coming from. The linebacking core was so bad yesterday and everybody likes Nate Singleton because he plays as hard as he does. He plays like his hair's on fire, 
but he doesn't make any game-changing plays. They just don't have any game-changing play linebackers, John. And we know it's been an Eagle philosophy for, oh, let's see, decades that linebackers are unimportant. But if you've got a defensive coordinator with a system that knows how to use these guys and position these guys, you can still see line. It's not like no team in the NFL has linebackers that don't make plays. There still are such teams, which means it can be done. Do you just continue in this phase of not caring about linebackers, so therefore not putting any resources, like draft picks, uh, money for free agents and like? Uh, are the Eagles just going to continue to go, hey, we know how we view linebackers, and we're not going to change our philosophy on that. Yeah, this is a tough one because in one on in, in uh, one side of the fence, I kind of agree with them. Linebackers are not nearly as important as they once were in the modern NFL. But on the other side, I look at Devin White's of the world, and I say, well, they still make plays. Bobby Wagner for years still make plays. These great linebackers, these great three-down linebackers, it's a little like running back on the offensive side. You say, well, we don't need a running back. We can find a running back. But then when you get a really good running back in a big spot, you go, oh, that's nice to have. <laughs> um, that's kind of where you are at linebacker. It's nice to have, but you try to roll the dice and find it. They have tried to get guys. They they bailed, obviously. LJ Fort, they tried to sign. Um, he went down to Baltimore, he's injured now, played pretty well, uh, didn't work out here. You know, you remember Corey Nelson, nobody remembers. They tried to sign him. He didn't work out. Eric Wilson now, they tried to sign him. You know, these are mid-range veteran guys. None of them seem to work out. And then the draft. And then, you know, Davion Taylor's the one guy who can't stay healthy. To me, I, I want Davion Taylor on the field. If he's healthy and he and he played yesterday, very mad. I think eight or nine snaps. He's back. Okay, if he gets hurt again, he gets hurt again. I don't think it's management from that perspective. I just want him on the field. Just why not? Because the other guys can't play. He's at least got athleticism. And then I want TJ Edwards on the field. And I know what they say. Well, we want guys who can uh cover the pass and that's not his skill but when you're giving up 200 yards rushing to Andy Reid who doesn't even want to run the football but you're allowing him to maybe it's time to get the run defender on the field and then figure out the rest of it okay you gotta you gotta figure out some other things in coverage to to mask TJ Edwards there well you know let's try that instead of keep doubling down on Eric Wilson who couldn't tackle Jody McDonald, evidently, in the open field. Let's try something else. Tackling leads much to be <laughs> desired. Along those lines, again, giving credit to one of our streamers, Cal Bundy, said, uh, I'd like to see Jacoby Stevens at linebacker. Uh, yeah, they did, use, they did the use a draft pick on him. Yeah. Uh, they're converting him, so <laughs> I guess there's still a transitional phase here, but why the hell not? Same thing with Davion Taylor. The only difference between Jacoby Stevens and Davion Taylor for me is one's got a year more experience and he got drafted a couple of rounds earlier. But they're both take-a-shot type of guys. They haven't done anything in practice or the preseason game. Oh, that's right. We don't play anybody in the preseason. 
um, <laughs> to, to be able to evaluate whether they so you got to go by baptism by fire. I have no problem with the baptism by fire. Just understand there is a difference. I mean, Davion Taylor's an actual linebacker. Uh, Jacoby Stevens is a safety they're trying to make into a linebacker. So if you want to do baptism by fire, that's fine. But you might help the pass coverage with Jacoby Stevens. You're not going to help the running game. I'm trying to help the run support. Um, Jacoby Stevens probably isn't going to help you there. Um, If you want run support, I'm going to try TJ Edwards and I'm going to try Davion Taylor. That's who I'm trying. Is it going to work? Probably not. But I think you got to try something. You got to tweak something. No, I don't know that Jacoby Stevens can't be better in the run than the linebackers they're playing right now. He's a, I know he was he a safety, but Wilson. <laughs> I, I actually thought he was a pretty good hitter in the couple plays that he made in the preseason, but maybe I'm overstating it. Um, let me jump back over to the offense because, again, the bigger problem for me today is the defense. Uh, the offense did have some issues. Uh, Devontae Smith making the same exact mistake that Rager made. How do you step out of – how do you let a guy push you out of bounds on a route like that? That that was disappointing, which was really disappointing because Devontae had his best game ever as a pro, and uh, that I did feel good about that he does look like the superstar that you thought you were getting. Again, these are all one game. He's played four. Yesterday was one of them. It was a really good one that you can be excited about. But it is, again, very early in his career, if you're going to make a statement about his entire career. I know Quez Watkins has opened a lot of people's eyes so far this year <laughs> with big plays. And the Eagles need more big plays. And hopefully Quez can deliver. They should not have him returning kicks anymore. No, uh, I agree He with was that. terrible yesterday at returning kicks. Rager returned one. And we know, you and I have talked about this too many times on the show. It's kind of, you talk about, we can debate how much linebackers still have an importance in the game of football. I think that scheming it can still have an effect on how much you can get out of your linebackers. So I think that those who just throw the baby out with the bash water there are wrong. You can make a bigger argument for kick returners not having any influence whatsoever because no, yeah. most of the kicks go into the back of the end zone. They just let them bounce, and everybody starts at the 25. There's a stat you can look up for me. How many kickoffs in the National Football League have started from the 25-yard line this year? I'm going to guess somewhere north of 66%. The two out of every three start from – it might be north of 75% for all I know. Quez did try to bring a couple of them out yesterday, and it did not go well. Uh, should they just tell, let it bounce? Yeah. We'll, we'll, well they do pretty like much. Like everybody else? They do pretty much. If you uh... – if you look at the Eagles, it seems to be if you're three yards in the end zone, don't even think about bringing it out. Um, whereas you, you looked at Kansas City, Pringle, I think, he took it out a number of times and, by the way, almost fumbled himself. Um, I always bring up Patterson as the best example. He'll take it out from nine yards deep, but he's one of the best kickoff returners ever. Very few of those guys exist anymore. Most teams are willing to take the 25, and they don't want to mess with it. Uh, the Eagles are certainly in that category. But, yeah, he got benched. I mean, he got benched for Jalen Rager because he was so poor at it. And just watching Quest shouldn't be a kickoff returner because the great kickoff returners, they're different than punt returners. 
you got to have some power to you. You got to be able to stick your foot in the ground and go and break that first tackle and hopefully get a lane. He's not that guy. He's more of a shifty, you know, punt returner type. I don't think he has that kind of ball security, though, to be a punt returner. But he strikes me as more of that short area quickness guy. There's different traits for for those two types of returns. He's just not physical enough to be a, a, a top-tier kick returner. So I would go in a different direction. I'd let Rager do it. He's got more power in his lower body. And it's not going to matter much. I mean, we're going to talk about 10 kickoff returns or whatever. Like you said, there's not going to be a lot of them. But when they do do it, I'd probably let Rager do it before Quez. Yeah, yesterday Rager had a good one and Quez had two really bad ones. So I know it's not that big a deal, but we do try and break down everything here on Birds 365. In that uh, vein, Eagles offense was fine yesterday. They they didn't get some things done down by the goal line, uh, red zone, whereas Kansas City scored every time they went in. Uh, Eagles uh, did not, uh, was a good help determine the factor of yesterday's outcome. Um, but overall, I thought the Eagle offense was not bad at all. Jalen Hurts, not bad at all. The make-it-up-as-you-go-along offensive line, not bad at all, seeing as Lane Johnson couldn't go at the very last minute because of a personal issue. We knew the injuries they had to the other three positions at the offense line. So it was Jason Kelsey with uh, Mo, Larry, Curley, and Shemp on the offensive line for the Eagles yesterday. They did a pretty damn good job. Give them credit for that. And we said that about this Eagle team before the year started. They had some offensive line depth, one of which was Jack Driscoll, who stepped in yesterday, did a real nice job. Where's Jack Driscoll going to play this week? Assuming that Lane's back, we don't know, but hopefully my lot is back because they didn't put him on the IR. They could have put him on the IR, so they were hoping it was going to be a one-week, two-weeks. Well, we're now up to week three of my lot of being out of the lineup. I, I was really impressed by Driscoll yesterday. Is he going to go into one of the guard spots if both guards are out again this week, which we know is the case because they're both on our IR. Uh, Driscoll outside at tackle this week. If not, is he going to grab one of those two starting guard, guard spots is Dickerson a given to be playing guard the rest of the year? Do a little uh, crystal ball work on the Eagles' offensive line when they do get some of their starters back as to how they're going to deploy the guys coming off the bench. Yeah, this was a big, in my opinion, unneeded controversy leading up to the game. Nick Sirianni thought it was a competitive advantage. I asked him Wednesday, I guess it was, Um I just said, because Isaac is out for the season, are you going to move Landon to left guard? Because Landon's the guy they want to play every game, uh, the young player they want to play every game. So if you move him now. Let, let, me, situ- let me interrupt you, and I, I don't want to lo- have you lose your train of thought. Again, this gets to the core of an issue I have with the Philadelphia Eagles. Landon is the young guy they want to play every week. Why? Why not Jack Driscoll? Because one was taken in the second round and one was taken in the sixth round. Here's the way I run my football team. If I'm a general manager slash coach slash owner, who's the best player right now? Who's showing me the most? Who's the guy? Now, if you've got a, a player who's on the last year of his contract, somebody on a rookie deal, all right, that's a big difference. And that can have some impact on the decision you're going to make. 
first-year player, second-year player, why don't you play the better player? If you're telling me that Dickerson's got to play because they want them to play, I got a problem with that because Dickerson was really bad last week. He was better yesterday, but he wasn't as good as Dick as uh, Driscoll for me. Why is it that, and I think you've got a good read on it, you know the Eagles inside and out certainly better than me. Why is that? Why do they always have to uh, evaluate the players on draft status? where they were taken above and beyond what they've actually shown on the field. Well, number one, I hear what you're saying. I think that's a better argument with my my lot at Dillard uh, before Jordan got hurt because Jordan was playing, playing well. Jack Triscoll wasn't playing, wasn't playing well when he was playing last year. Uh, he was on injured reserve. He just got activated. Now, Landon wasn't playing well either at right guard. Now he's coming off the injury. They just think he's got a much higher ceiling as a player and that he is a better player. Um, And I tend to agree with them. So I don't think that's, I hear what you're saying, but I don't think that's the best example of it. Now the, the whole competitive advantage nonsense. I thought Nick Sirianni, you know, Andy Reid didn't give a hoot who was playing left guard or right guard, because he's not worried about Landon Dickerson or Jack Driscoll at this point for the Philadelphia Eagles, because they haven't proven themselves yet. But from the Eagles' perspective, they want the kid with the higher ceiling that they think is going to be the better player. And ultimately, they did move him to left guard, and he's going to be starting a left guard for the rest of the season, barring injury. They were going to start Jack Driscoll at right guard if Blaine Johnson was there, coming off IR, which is a little bit of a surprise over Nate Herbig. Um, just Nate's played a little bit more. You talk about he's also played better. Now, there's an example the other way. Because Nate Herbig was an undrafted kid, came in under very difficult circumstances. Driscoll was a fourth-round pick. And all of a sudden, Driscoll, coming off injured reserve, is jumping Herbig. So I think that's the better question. Like, why is that happening? That and, and Nate Herbig, by the way, ultimately has to play right guard because Lane can't play. Driscoll kicks out the right tackle. And we'll see. I gotta watch, I gotta rewatch the game. I don't think anybody played poorly on the offensive line. Now, a lot of that had to do with the game plan as well, because the ball was out quickly. So I think Sirianni and the offensive coaching staff helped all those guys as well. But overall, and and then the second part is also I want to throw in, oh, the Kansas City defensive line stinks, <laughs> except for Chris Jones. So, you know, whoever had the block, Chris Jones had a, had a day. Everybody else had a day off. So you got to put that into the equation as well. But I think your point is better indicated with Herbig versus Driscoll than Dickerson versus Driscoll. Okay. I'm just saying – do me a favor. You got the pro football focus numbers. Uh, I don't know. I if don't you got think the access. they graded them yet. But... All right. Uh, the access from last year. Maybe I gave Driscoll more credit for what he accomplished. He moved around to a couple different positions last year when filling in with the Eagle line going to shreds like it has again this year. I, I actually thought he played better. Maybe I'm overestimating what he did uh, last year. I got. I had no problems with the Eagles bringing them right off IR and throwing them in last, last this week 
because I thought he earned that off what he did last year. Look those up for me. While we take a quickie timeout, we're hoping to be joined by Jason Cole, national NFL writer, Hall of Fame voter, uh, has been on the show previously and is always good when he does join us. National NFL writer Jason Cole scheduled to join us next here on Birds 365. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view. It goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. The glass is for cocktails, right? It's for this, this, this. And that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Okay, but is the rim... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero cars, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder. And it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Mesa and Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Go for the midnight tears. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Mag and Mac here with John Birch. Yes, there is a little bloodletting after a beat down like the Kansas City Chiefs put on the Philadelphia Eagles yesterday and the Eagles fall to one and three. Uh, we're looking back at the carnage that was yesterday's game. Congrats to Andy Reid, first ever coach. 100 wins, two different organizations, got his 100th yesterday with Kansas City, which I wanted to bring up, Johnny Mac. That's funny. I just remember that by uh, teasing this segment. Um, 
I've not heard any uh, fan feedback yet other than our guys here on the stream. Haven't caught a lot of WIP uh, yes, yet. Um, had to hop on the air on CBS uh, and didn't uh, head out last night after my show was over. So I haven't heard any really fan feedback. I was wondering when I heard Patrick Mahomes in the post-game press conference take some Philly shots on how much reaction there was going to be from the Philadelphia fan. Wow. Thank you very much, Philadelphia, for firing Andy Reid. Ouch. Nothing like a poke in the eye. It's one thing to go out and throw five touchdowns against us, but then kick us when we're down too. Thank you very much, Patrick Mahomes. And Andy Reid is a Kansas City Chief. He won more games here with Philadelphia. He was here more years here in Philadelphia. The only thing he's done with you is, yeah, he won the big one at the end of the well, season. Well, that's big. He got the yeah. Super Bowl. And I acknowledge that that's pretty big, but it's not the be-all, end-all, everything. Uh, yeah, Patrick Mahomes. And, and God, he's so good. He's just so talented. Uh, I don't know that the uh, Eagle fans would want him as of yesterday because he did. He took it. Nah, well, they should. Gun. They should want him, Jody. You know, it was interesting pregame. I just happened to catch the eye watching Patrick Mahomes. And this is, you know, you usually watch an NFL pregame. It's not that big of a deal. You see quarterbacks throwing. The, he's out there. He's playing defensive back. Then he runs a route. Then after he catches the football, he runs to the end zone and, and he he, he uh, does a little soccer, does a little hacky sack. The guy is so comfortable. He's so confident. You say to yourself, man, that's, that's going to be tough to deal with. And sure enough, you look up after uh, 60 minutes of football and you got uh, five touchdowns hung on you. So yeah. it is what – obviously, he's going to think of his coach and say, oh, Philadelphia fired him. Andy admits the shelf life was over, but I do admit, I think sometimes, what if they built coward this situation and fought through the lull and kept Andy Reid? I do wonder what would have happened because this is, this is one of five greatest coaches of all time, in my estimation. That's how good it is. That's how he, good he is. He is certainly top 10, and he's moving his way up that list. Let's get an out-of-town perspective on that. Since we're talking about it, we'll give him a chance to comment on it. National football writer, Hall of Fame voter, Jason Cole, joins us here on Birds 365. How up the list of all-time NFL coaches has Andy Reid gotten for you, J.C.? Let's see, who would be ahead of him? Um, Belichick, um, Gibbs, Walsh, Brown, probably Lombardi. Uh, no, uh, no, nah, yeah, Chuck Shula. Uh, I would, yeah, Chuck was a better coach. I mean, look, they were loaded with talent, I mean, yeah, uh, yeah, but but Chuck was a, was a pretty damn good coach. I would say somewhere in that range of eight. Um, yeah, well, that's good. I probably overstated with five, but uh, certainly in the modern generation, he's number two, right. I would say. Uh, modern generation, again, where's Gibbs on that? Where's Walsh? Yeah. Um, you know, where do you define them? If like, if the modern era is the break in 1970 to the, to, you know, the merger, He's he's maybe top five. He's you know because you've got again you've got Walsh, you've got Gibbs and Belichick who I think are are absolutely better than him. 
but it gets to be it gets to be close. I mean, look, he's exceeded guys like Holmgren. Um, yeah, and was a pretty damn good coach. So yeah, it's. I mean, look, he's a, he's going to be a Hall of Famer, um, in my view. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be you know right off the bat first ballot kind of thing, but I think he'll eventually get in because he's going to have some numbers that are just outrageous. You know, he's going to be. I don't know where he is on the, on the all time wins list, but you know he's way up there now. And that's the kind of thing that just isn't going to happen very much, I think, going forward. Yeah, it is. Uh, you know, I want to talk, Jason, about a, a larger perspective in the NFL. I want to start off because it's been big in Philadelphia, and that's been the uptick in penalties. The Eagles are on pace to shatter the all-time record, which was, I think, the then Oakland Raiders 2011. I think they're in the 160s. The Eagles are set to go in the 180s, high 180s, 190s. Right. The league as a whole has amped this up coming off a year in which they really scaled back in the COVID year. They seem to say, let the guys play. Everybody seemed to enjoy it um, just from an aesthetic standpoint. Is this league over-legislated? No. I think one of the reasons that you get sloppy play right now and I think it'll correct itself as the season goes on is look, guys don't hit in, in training camp the same way. They don't get prepared for the season the same way. So you have a lot of sloppy habits right now. And there's always an uptick in penalties in years where you're trying to enforce, you know, certain rules like, uh, you know, whether that's holding on the offensive line or whether it's the taunting rule, you always add a certain number that particular year until the refs feel like they've gotten the game back under control and then they stop calling it. But I think, uh, I just think that this is going to be what happens when you have shorter and shorter training camps. And the other thing is, you know, when you add 17 games, yeah, somebody's going to break that record when you get the 17 games. Now, um, well, a lot of people are going to break a lot of records with an additional game, but, I just think the the sloppy penalty play that I have seen so far, even from teams that normally don't get penalized, um, is just not is just not being in sync. Like Matt Slater running out of bounds and staying out of bounds for thirty five yards, like yesterday in the in the Patriots game, I was like that that's an absurd penalty for a veteran player who's that good a player to to make. It's just like he's not he's just not very sharp right now. Jason, I, I know to this earlier in the show, I want to get your take on it. The new head coaches in the NFL, we care about it here in Philly because we've got one in Nick Sirianni. Um, Dan Campbell, Urban Meyer, Robert Sala, Arthur Smith, David Culley, uh, Nick Sirianni, Brandon Staley with two wins, more power to him. Uh, they're 6-21. and 21. And I know mm-hmm. you get a, a new coach, they're taking over. There's a reason why they got the job because the team was bad the year before. I don't remember them being as collectively as a group this bad out of the gate as they've been this year. Is there something more to it than just coincidence and or, yeah, they're all bad teams. They were bad teams. They're still bad teams. Do we read anything into, is there something to be said in defense of Nick Sirianni that misery loves company? All the new coaches are struggling mightily in the NFL. Uh, They're not qualified. Um, <laughs> most of them are not qualified to be head coaches. Um, most of them are not ready. Most of them are not battle tested. And most of them are taking over bad teams. I'm like, 
David Culley is a really, really nice man. You guys know him up in Philadelphia. He's mm-hmm. a long-time assistant under Andy Reid. Anybody who ever talked to David Culley, if you, he never exuded anything that ever said head coach. Just He's just not that guy. He's just not. I don't know Nick Sirianni very well, but when I watch him, I, I don't get the body language of a guy who exudes head coach. Dan Campbell, for all his fire and brimstone, is just kind of a lunkhead. <laughs> um, you know, like it's more and and what I think is the urge to hire younger and younger guys and move them out quickly is doing a disservice to that part of the profession. And, and there's a reason why the last three Super Bowls have been won by coaches well into their 60s. You know, Andy Reid, Bruce Arians, and Bill Belichick. Um, it's because. Experience matters in this job. Leadership matters in this job. Knowing how to handle, you know, having the experience to know how to handle people in situations and having the experience to handle what happens in a game, right? Like, oh, okay, yeah, this happened once before when I was an assistant coach and this is how we dealt with it. And either I liked that or I didn't, but I made some judgment. And I'm not some. 30-something guy who hasn't even coached in that many games. Now, that's not to say that there aren't some really good young coaches, right? I mean, Sean McVay is is certainly a great one, and there have been plenty of other guys who were in their 30s who had those leadership qualities. But I think that we we pick too many young guys who are not experienced enough when experience really does matter. So, Jason, to follow up on that, why do you think ownership keeps going down that road? Why do you think ownership in this league keeps making that same mistake, or at least a large percentage of them? Is it Sean McVay? Everybody seems to want the next Sean McVay. And nothing against Sean. I agree with you. I think he's a good coach, but he hasn't reached the apex, as some of the other names you've mentioned. Mm-hmm. Why, why are people turning in that direction? at least in a large percentage in this league. There's no owners. There's no, there's no owner's manual for an NFL team. And most of the guys who own the teams know very little or nothing about football. That's a pretty scary note. Uh, We talk about Jeff Lurie's um, participation here in Philadelphia all the time. He's been around for a while now, but he's a hands-on owner, and we hope he's a little bit better than what you just described. And Jeff's – look, I would defend Jeff because I think Jeff really is into it and is trying to learn what makes a great coach. And the fact that he he hired Andy Reid and he, you know, made a decision to get away from the Chip Kelly experience or, you know, some of these things. I, I think he's tried some things with good thoughts in mind, right? Um, he's probably a little bit too hands-on for an owner, and but he's learning. Whereas I think there are a bunch of guys in this league, particularly younger owners, who want to meddle and, and don't really, they don't really understand the game. And that's not there aren't that many human beings who really do this. And when you couple it with the fact that you have to have a whole lot of money and you have to be successful in business, doesn't, you know, that doesn't equate to a lot of people qualified to organization from the top down. Jason, let me follow up with this on the young coaches. Uh, they got a young coach out there in Arizona, pretty young. 
And he's doing a really nice job. We're down to two undefeated teams in the NFL. Could be one by the end of the night with the uh, Raiders in action tonight. Is Arizona as good as they look at 4-0? Because they were damn impressive yesterday going into L.A. and beating down on the Rams. They're really good offensively. And I think they're dictating games early on, which is smart. Um, they're getting on top of people and then forcing the forcing the other team to have to play from play from behind. I mean, they were up by two scores in that game pretty quickly against the Rams. Now, I worry about Arizona in one-score games where they're not as easily able to, um, to just run the ball on people. Like, how are they going to react? If it's a 17-3 left, can they run the clock against a good team? I don't know if that's the case. But they're really good at, okay, we're going to get on top of teams by, you know, 14-3, maybe 17 17-7 in the second quarter, that's going to play to um, other teams having to pass. And especially in this pass-happy era, they're going to pass even more. And we've got good coverage people, <laughs> got good pass rush. So it's a really good combination so far. And, yes, offensively, they're very explosive. Um, somebody, I think, will eventually figure out how to slow down a little bit. But they're, you know, they're truly special. Like, look. We spent a lot of time in, in, in this league talking about Lamar Jackson. I think Kyler Murray is a better player because Kyler Murray can really throw the ball. And Kyler Murray can run just as well as, as Lamar Jackson. Um, and so, to me, Kyler Murray is not talked about enough. Now, he was talked about a lot as the number one overall pick when he came out. But I think a lot of the discussion gravitates to Lamar Jackson. Jason, uh, speaking of explosiveness – I just got to see the Chiefs up close, so I saw what they are offensively, and it's pretty spectacular. But I want to talk about the other side of the football uh, in Kansas City. And Steve Spagnuolo is an interesting guy to me because he's had tremendous success, but he's also been at the helm of some of the worst defenses of all time in New Orleans with the Giants. And that defense doesn't look very good right now um can they turn it around can that be a legitimate super bowl contender unless they fix some things on the defensive side of the football look they're not playing with very much effort right now especially early in games i mean like this there was one time it was in the first or second series where they had they had jalen hurts like dead to rights they had four guys like it was four guys with open shots at jalen hurts and somehow he managed to get away from them and not that Jalen Hurts didn't make a really nice play to, to get out from that situation, but I was like, you guys didn't close this situation out. And, you know, just like you have to, you have to bury the quarterback in that situation. Right. And then there was another, it was like the first four plays of the game. It was like 18 yard catch by Ertz, 20 yard catch on the other side, you know, 15 yard run. It was just, it was ugly. And it was like, those guys hadn't even, you know, they hadn't even woken up yet, right? And you're sitting here going, guys, it's a, it's time to play football. And I don't know if that's Spagnuolo's fault. Um, I don't know if it's, you know, like they don't have Chris Jones and Frank Clark's not playing very well. Um, I do know that historically with the Spagnola defense, it's much better at the end of the season because guys get in sync. It's like he brings the defense down to a very base level at the beginning of the season and then adds things and adds things and adds things. 
And they will be good enough if they can become a turnover-oriented defense. In other words, we're going to go and get extra possessions for Patrick Mahomes. If we just we don't care if we give up 24 or 30 points as long as we're getting an extra possession or two for Patrick Mahomes because he's going to put up 35 or 40 and we're fine. Okay, if that's their philosophy, I think they have a chance to get there. If you're saying, okay, they're going to be a you know you know latter day version of the Pittsburgh Steelers, that ain't happening. Okay, like that's just they don't have the they don't have the personnel, and that's not the way they play. They play up tempo. We're going to have two minute possessions on offense. Let's have two minute possessions on defense. Let's get off the field fast and get the ball back to Patrick Mahomes as quickly as we can. Jason, another NFL record that was set yesterday. We've talked plenty about Andy being the first 100-100 coach in the history of the game. But there was another one that was set yesterday. Kind of caught me off guard, as a matter of fact. And we have to keep an eye on it this week because of the Eagles' next opponent. Sam Darnold, five touchdowns rushing in his first four games this season. No other quarterback had ever done that in the history of the National Football League. I did not realize that, so shame on me for that. But... Is that a major part of the Carolina Panthers' weaponry? Now, since the Eagles are playing Carolina this weekend, Sam Darnold taking off and running? Now, I'm a Darnold guy. I'm a Jet guy. I watched him play all those years in New York before he went to Carolina. Every once in a while, he'd pull it down, make a nice play with his leg. But I never thought of him as a truly rushing quarterback. Um, Did that surprise you? And do you think that's something the Eagles have to be very wary of this week? Um, I think there's a little bit of random randomness to it, um, which is like they don't have a Christian McCaffrey is a great running back and he's obviously hurt right now, um, but he's not a power running back at at the goal line. So they have if they're going to run it in and they're going to leave McCaffrey on the field in goal line situations, they're probably going to have to use Darnold a little bit more than teams will want. So that's number one. Number two, he is faster than than I think. I, I even understood. There were a couple of runs yesterday that he made. In fact, the second touchdown run was really was really a nice nice play on his part, where he got going a lot quicker than than I thought. I mean, I didn't expect to see that kind of speed. So it's a nice combination. I don't see it's going to hold up over the course of an entire season. <clears throat> Not looking at a guy who's going to score twenty touchdowns running running the ball, but he may get to twelve, which is still a lot. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but he's not Lamar Jackson, and he's not Kyler Murray in, in, in that respect. But, God, they they got a nice system around him, and he's playing really good football, which I would say, Jerry, I hate to say this, but that's commentary on your Jets. <laughs> a little mm. bit. Uh, they've had yes. pretty bad coaching. Commentary on Adam Gase as well. Yes, yeah. did get a win uh, yesterday under Robert Sala. They, look, they, they did a nice job yesterday. Um, they finally woke up that, you know, t- I know it took, like deep into the first half they finally got their first first half touchdown um this year and so they'll hopefully they'll wake up and hopefully this is the beginning of something good for zach wilson but boy the first three games were basically the first three and a half games were hard to watch that's true jason we as you mentioned there's an extra game so technically we're not at the quarter poll but that first four games, people have said, all right, let, I can tell you what kind of team we have as we move forward. Everybody's through four after tonight. We just talked about some teams, Arizona, Carolina. 
anybody surprise you? Anybody more disappointing than you thought? You know, I have a really hard time getting a handle on the season because as soon as I think a team looks like, okay, they're really good, they come out and they just play play some putrid football for for a while. And I'm trying to figure out why that is. Usually the first two or three games of every season is is pretty inexact because, again, it's like extended training camp for a lot of teams. Uh, I would say the one stat that jumps out at me is staggering is the fact that the Patriots are own three at home. Um, that that's it's both troubling and uh, it's shocking and troubling. Okay, and I would say as good as that they played yesterday in keeping that game close against the defending Super Bowl champion. The truth is that if they were really good, they should have they should have beaten Tampa Bay yesterday because Tampa Bay's Tampa Bay was starting a guy at corner and granted Richard Sherman is certainly a talented cornerback, pretty good chance. He's going to make the hall of fame at some point in time. Um, but they're starting him like five days after they signed him. Yeah. And, and they lose Carlton Davis. Um, they're, they don't have a single starter, um, at a certain point, they didn't have any starter at corner from the first game of the season. That's a team that you should be picking apart. And to a certain extent, Mac Jones did that and played really well from about middle to late second quarter on through the game. But if that was a really good offensive unit from, from New England, they would have put up 24, maybe even 30 points. And they're just not that yet. Now, Mac Jones looks like he's going the right direction. There are a lot of things to like. He was good against the Blitz, blah, 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 blah. But, boy, um, when you face a team that's that wounded, you should light them up. And so I'm worried about the Patriots overall, that this giant spending spree that they went on is not going to produce a you know playoff caliber team by the end of the season, which – Ultimately, still may be okay because if Mac Jones turns out to be a franchise quarterback, they're looking good for the next 10 years. But we're a long way from that. All right, uh, JC, I'm going to do the schmucky talk show host thing uh, with you now. <laughs> Knowing full well we've got three quarters of a season to go and a playoff run and a champion to be crowned. I'm going to uh-huh. have to jettison about 11 months ahead. <laughs> Opening uh-huh. day of the 2022 season. Aaron Rodgers will be the starting quarterback of what NFL team? Denver Broncos. Yeah, I like it. That's a good choice. Well, I think it's pretty obvious. That's what the word. <laughs> it's not, not going to be San Francisco. They're married to Trey Lance, right? Not yeah. going to be Seattle because because Russell Wilson is not going to, you know, he's not going to nice guy his way out of Seattle. It's not going to be either one of the L.A. teams because they're committed to Stafford with the Rams, and why would you move on from Justin Herbert? Maybe it's the Raiders, um, but, boy, I have a hard time believing that Aaron Rodgers is going to want to play for, for John Gruden. Now, maybe I'm wrong about that, but like that just doesn't seem like a mix made in heaven once they sit, really sit and talk. But if you want to talk about a person who will pull that off, and I know he's not running the football operations technically, but John Elway will push in any number of chips that it takes to get that done. And we'll tell George Payton, go ahead and do it. Because John Elway, as both a Hall of Fame quarterback and franchise quarterback, 
and a guy who went out and got a Hall of Fame quarterback and franchise quarterback knows the value of that Hall of Fame franchise quarterback. And we'll say, look, we'll milk this for three or four years, whatever we can get out of Aaron Rodgers, and we'll be good. And it was nice, Teddy Bridgewater, for you to, to show up and be on our show. But we're, <laughs> but we're all yeah, that's Yeah, real quick, Jason, why, why do you think San Francisco, now this will be twice, when they look back on this and say, we could have had Aaron Rodgers, obviously, in the draft, and he wanted to play here. And then we could have waited and, and gotten Aaron Rodgers later in his career. You think they're going to uh, rue that uh, day the second time around as well? Oh, yeah. I mean, this is a cluster fudge. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, missed opportunities. Um for for the 49ers um in getting a guy who's and and this is a lot to say considering some of the quarterbacks who've gone through that um would have been the most talented thrower that they they've ever had in the history of their franchise i mean from an arm strength and arm talent and all sorts of things perspective he's a better player than joe montana he's a better player than steve young he's certainly better than john brody and i can go that far back unfortunately um, but yeah, I mean, they should, they should kick themselves repeatedly for a lot, <laughs> for, for not seeing that correctly both times. Now coming out of college, Aaron Rodgers was not what we see now. Okay. He really worked on himself to become the Aaron Rodgers that he has become. And some of that was because he went to green Bay and he was treated like, like crap by Brett Favre. Okay. So. Um, he had a little bit of incentive, but certainly the second time around, I, I, I wonder if, I wonder sometimes, um, if Jed York ever kind of sits back and goes, boy, we pushed, we pushed that panic button pretty early on that trade to move up to number three. And we could have waited this one out. And I, in fact, I've had one person who's very close to Aaron Rodgers say to me, they should they missed they missed it because that guy was available and he wanted out and they if they'd taken that if they'd taken the draft picks that they had take that they they spent to get to number three for Trey Lance and basically maybe added a little bit more they could have had Aaron Rodgers. Very interesting, and uh, I like your take on it being the Broncos. Yes, and also Aaron Rodgers. Better than Nick Mullins, although some people when he signed here in Philadelphia <laughs> this year thought that that might not be the case. Just I've, I've never been a Nick Mullins fan. Uh, obligatory shot out of yours, truly. Can we do any obligatory uh, promos and or previews for you? Can we shamelessly plug anything for you, Jason? Uh, yeah, my, my book, John Elway, we're coming out in paperback uh, in November, uh, November 2nd, supposedly, although there are big delays on um, – there are big delays in the paper industry and the book industry right now. So I don't know if it really will come out November 2nd, but, <laughs> but sometime in November, Elway, A Relentless Life comes out in paperback, which is my biography of John Elway, um, which has gotten some great reviews. Um, so yeah, that, that one is big. And I've got a couple other projects that are coming up, but they're not quite as formative um, to, to get into from, 
uh, at this point in time. Let me know as soon as you do. We'll certainly get you back on and let you promo away. And, yeah, you Bronco fans, you better buy the Elway book because he just landed you Aaron Rodgers in case you didn't pick up on that. He's got Aaron Rodgers starting next season for you. Jason, always great stuff. Appreciate you coming on board. Thanks much, bud. All right, guys. Take care. Thanks. Jason Cole, National uh, NFL writer. You're the I'm Birds 365 and Hall of Fame voter. All right, Johnny Mac and I will come back. You know what's coming. We're going to put a bow on the show next here on Birds 365. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view that goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't go for him go for her go for the win go to ocean casino resort book your trip at theoceanac.com at stateside vodka every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass free what's that uh a rocks glass you're telling me that bottle is cut in half you could say that holy sh- glasses for cocktails right it's for this this, this, and that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Okay, but is the rip... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero cars, zero sugar and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messa and Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. All right, coming down the home stretch, got a misery Monday edition of Birds. 365 as the Eagles give up 40 percent, 40 points for the second consecutive week. They faced two good offenses, but their defense 
has been brutal, and we'll talk more about that as the week goes on. Uh, but, J-Mac, I want to get your insight on an offensive question, uh, maybe our last, before we get out of here for a Misery Monday. Yesterday, the Eagles' offensive starting tackles were Dillard and Driscoll, not right. Mylotta and Johnson that were the starters week number one, and the guys we were hoping would have all year, but both have had injuries already injuries and or issues lane johnson did not play yesterday because of a personal issue don't know how much uh, filling in the blank you can do there if you can please do so uh, but if not who's going to be starting a tackle for the eagles come sunday when they take on the carolina panthers i ask you to look at your pigskin crystal ball well if you think about it from this perspective uh if jordan mylotta uh, was placed on injured reserve, he would miss three games um, and you would have had a roster spot. So hopefully that's an indication that the Eagles medical staff thought he would be back for this game in Carolina. And then we'll have to see. We'll talk to Nick Sirianni today. If we get into clarity on Lane Johnson uh, moving forward, I'll ultimately hope he's back at right tackle. Uh, and that would kick Jack Driscoll uh, inside to right guard where he was supposed to start yesterday uh, until it became clear that Lane Johnson. And that's what we're talking about. I did look that up, Jody. Nate Herbig was graded uh, by Pro Football Focus as the 13th ranked guard in the NFL last season. Obviously forced into action uh, to play a lot because of injuries all over. Played really well for some reason. We were having that conversation. It's the undrafted guy versus the fourth round pick and Jack Driscoll. Right. The default but, to Jack Driscoll. That's, so, that was, so, I think, a better argument than Landon, who they think is a really good player. We'll see if it shakes out that way, obviously. Understood. Um, the reason why I brought it up. And again, there's long term. I asked you to look up last year. Thank you for doing that. But there's also short term. I thought Herbert was bad last week when he got thrown in, didn't know he was going to play. Yeah, he was. And yeah, he, he was. That's he why was I think they decide let's go with Driscoll, the unknown of Driscoll in front of the, wow, Herbert got beat up bad last week. Uh, well, Dickerson got it beat up even worse last week. And that's why I said, I know he was drafted in the second round, but if you're putting urgency, recency bias attached to it, you're going to stick at the Herbeg, but look right past what Dickerson did. That's why I had some issues with some of the decisions the Eagles yeah, made. Yeah, I, I hear you. The Eagles don't like Nate Herbig. Nate Herbig was forced to play left guard, which he's not good at. They think he's better. He had success at right guard. It's just that's an issue because always behind the scenes, we've talked about it in the past, for whatever reason, the Eagles – think Nate Herbig's a backup and it doesn't seem to and he probably is a backup I mean that's probably the reason but you you get a sense and then where you get into evaluation and ceiling versus versus the performance what we were talking about at some point the guy played really well at right guard and it didn't seem like he was even in the conversation just seems strange to me Fair enough. All right. And one other uh, optimistic point that I was going to bring up at some point during the show, if it waits till the last three minutes, so be it. Um, yeah, the Eagles took a beat down. Yeah, the defense was terrible. 
But here's the good news. Outside of the Eagle game, well, no, the Eagle game included. Eagles draft status for the 2022 draft actually improved greatly yesterday. The Eagles <laughs> lost. The Colts yeah. won, which uh, you yeah. got to be careful with the Colts because if they're hideously bad, you and I agree, they're going to tell Carson Wentz, listen, uh, we're going to do the same thing they did to you in Philadelphia last year. We're bringing in somebody else to play quarterback because we're not giving up that first-round pick. So they actually needed the win yesterday. Couple that with Tennessee's loss to the uh, Jets and that division. The NFC South may be like last year's NFC East. First to 500 wins. If you can get anywhere near 500, you can win that division. And the Colts and the Titans are the only two teams who have a chance to do that, in my estimation. So that was actually a good thing that the Colts won the game yesterday. Yeah. And, and this is going to be going on all season, Jody, before we get out of here. So right now, the Eagles would have the fifth pick, and that's Miami, the seventh pick, and that's the Colts, and the eighth pick, which would be their own. Uh, but as as you and I have said, if the Colts are in that top ten, forget about it. Uh, they're going to shut down Carson Wentz. So um, you can get excited about it early in the season. It's not going to happen, but right now – Number five, number seven, and number eight for the Philadelphia. See, I got different. I, I looked at a different website. I got four, eight, and nine, which is I go with Tankathon. They seem to yeah, be Tankathon. That's what I had. Did they upgrade? Uh, they airport? might update it. I might have okay. an old one. I had four. Uh, I had four, eight, and nine, which are pretty way. damn good picks, as a matter of fact. Yeah. And oh, by the way, for those of you who saying screw the draft, we don't need to. We got to get a quarterback who's already proven. It actually is helping with every Miami loss. Because if the Dolphins are the team that everyone keeps saying, if, if, if Deshaun Watson's going to go, if he's going to be traded, he wants to go to Miami, Miami should want him. Tua Tungavailoa always hurt. Your biggest yeah. ability is availability. And Tua can't play. It's reasonable. Who owns Miami's first-round pick this year, John? The, the, the Philadelphia That Eagles. would be the Philadelphia Eagles. So I'm just saying that that might be a big piece if they want to get their hands on Deshaun Watson. Uh, part of good show, we kind of had to beat up on the Eagles today, and we did, and we'll do a little bit more of that again tomorrow. Uh, we've got Carolina coming up this weekend. Should be a good week here on Birds 365. Thanks, brother. Uh, you got Nick Sirianni at what time today? Uh, 2.30, I believe. 2.30-ish. Uh, yeah, it'll be... Uh, it'll be interesting. See see how he bounces back from the latest setback. Hey, it's part of yeah, I don't think any of us thought they were gonna be Dallas in Dallas in Kansas City. So ultimately you're probably where you expected yeah, to be. They're one and three, as a no. matter of fact. That's been my eagle picks. Win the opener and lose the next three. That's exactly what they've done. So we'll see what the coach has to say about it today. We'll be here to talk about it tomorrow on Birds. 365. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Bum, bum, bum. Oh, no rating today. Not popping up. What the not hell? Popping up. Oh, we're They're still not live. giving us a chance to rate. All right. Just That's for you, Johnny Mac. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. 
book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.